Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. Today we will see the husband's most important words. This will be a Thanksgiving sermon of somewhat of a different sort. It will be a sermon in which the ladies will give thanks, and I'm preaching it, and the men will give thanks when I'm finished, that it's over. So you will be thankful one way or the other this morning, I trust. Men, it's your turn this morning. Now this is one of those reminder sermons. I probably won't tell you anything that you don't already know this morning, husbands. But I trust I will remind you of some things that you know that you are not doing. And isn't that what most sermons really do anyway? I mean, if you have been growing up in church and you've attended sermons for 20, 30 years, as some of you have been, you shouldn't be hearing a great deal of new things. But perhaps you're getting reminded of a good bit that you're know but are not doing. The husband is to love his wife, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us, turn over to Ephesians 5, to love his wife as Christ loves the church. Ephesians 5, Paul gives us the greatest passage in all of scripture dealing with the family. And he speaks to the husband beginning in verse 25. Of Ephesians 5. This is one of those occasions that uh, we will permit an occasional elbow in the ribs, ladies, of your husband. Just to make sure he's awake, that's all. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loves the church and gave himself up for her. He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of His body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, that each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. And the husband is to love his wife as Christ loves the church. Now this love is more than words. This love includes actions as well. But words are a very important aspect of this love particularly to your wife. 
Because love is a relationship, and words are an important part of any relationship, your words, men, are very important. Those words that you speak particularly to your wife. Now let's look at some of the words that Scripture would say you are to speak to your wife. And the husband's most important words to speak are loving words. That's what you should have on your first blank. Loving words. I'll make it real plain, ladies, so they can't miss it. Loving words. Now, under A, you should write cleansing words. The first kind of loving words you should speak are cleansing words. Now remember, our key to understanding is Christ. How does Christ speak to the church? That's how you should be speaking to your wife. What kind of loving words does Christ speak to the church? One of the first kind of words He speaks to the church are cleansing words. Now look in verse 26, because this may be something new to you men that you haven't heard before. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy and blameless. We see that Christ in this verse is speaking cleansing words to the church. There is an analogy here to the washing with water and the washing with the Word. The analogy is that as we live in this daily world, we all pick up some filth and dirt just from living in this world. And so most all of us will take a bath every night in our culture is a fairly acceptable thing. Although, if you talk to a dermatologist, they'll tell you that that's too much. It's not good for your skin. But really, a couple of times a week. Now, I don't know if I'd go that far. But anyway, uh, we take a bath to cleanse off the dirt, right? Well, there's a spiritual parallel here. Just because we're living in the world, we become spiritually stained. And we become dirty from the world's pollution. And we all stand in need of a spiritual cleansing, a bathing with the Word of God. And Christ cleanses the church with His cleansing words as He washes us with the water of the Word. The husband is to cleanse his wife with the Word of God. Over in John 15... Jesus is speaking to His disciples, and that's the passage we commonly call the vine and the branches passage. And Jesus, speaking to His disciples, says a rather interesting thing in verse 3. He talks about the vine dresser having to prune the branches, and He says, You are already clean, speaking to His disciples, because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now he's not talking about physical cleansing. He's talking about a spiritual cleansing there. 
He says, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Jesus says that the word of God has a spiritually cleansing effect upon our spirit. Just as it is food to our spirit, and we must feed upon the Word, there is also a cleansing aspect to the Word. And we need to be periodically cleansed from the pollution that we just pick up from living in this world. And the Bible says, husbands, it is our responsibility to speak these cleansing words to our wife. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, you could do as I do. Just read a psalm to her. Just open up the scriptures to a psalm and just read the Word of God verbally to your wife. Now, some of you men are thinking, well, she can read the Bible herself. I mean, what does she need me to read it to her for? God's ways are not our ways, nor His thoughts are thoughts. And though you may not think it makes much sense to you for you to read the Bible out loud to your wife, there's a spiritual dynamic that goes on when you do that. There's a spiritual power. There's a spiritual effect that goes on, men, when you, as the husband and head of that home, read the Scriptures to your wife that will not take place if she simply reads it for herself. I think that's what Christ is saying in this passage through the Apostle Paul. Just as Christ cleanses us, you as a husband have the responsibility to speak words of cleansing to your wife. You should regularly, probably daily, set aside a time that you will open up the Word of God and cleanse her by reading from the Scriptures. It doesn't have to be a lengthy thing. Again, a psalm. You can read through a psalm in two or three, four minutes. And it wouldn't be bad to cleanse your children as well, men, as you read the Word of God to them. And it will have a spiritual cleansing effect in her life from the, just the stain that she gets from just living in the world. Second type of words that you as husbands need to be speaking, and this is B in your outline, and those are nurturing words. Nurturing words. Look at verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. And the word nourish means to help grow into maturity. It's words that promote growth and well-being. Again, Christ is our key. What kind of words does He speak to us, the church, that help us to grow? What kind of nourishing words does He speak to us? And those are the words that we husbands need to be speaking to our wives. And the first one are truthful words. Truthful words. Again, men, that's number uh, A under number two in your outline. Truthful words. Honesty. Your wife will never grow and become the wife that God intends for her to be unless you openly, honestly communicate with her. As long as she senses you are hiding and concealing things from her, that you're not being open and honest with her, then she will not be secure enough in your love 
to grow into the wife that God designed for her to be. She needs you to speak what you really think and you really feel about things. For she will only be able to be totally secure in your relationship when she thinks, hey, he's not hiding anything from me. He's being open and honest. Your wife should know you better than anybody. Does she? Does she know you better than the guys you work with? Does she know you better than anybody else? She should. Now because of your need to be respected and admired, and we talked about this last week, because of that need that you have, that deep need, your tendency as a man is not to be open and honest with your wife about certain things because you're afraid, if I tell her that, she's going to not respect me as much or she won't admire me as much. There are three types of liars when it comes to husbands. One is the born liar. I mean, he started off lying when he was young. To cover himself, he'd lie and tell his friends that his dad was the president of the bank and all these sort of things. And he'd tell people that he'd done this and he'd done that and he had this and he had that. And he just grew up lying and he continues to lie about anything and everything. He just lies. Then you have the second kind of liar, which is the I'll avoid trouble liar. Example of this fellow is, he and his wife are going out Saturday night, and so they're talking Monday, and she says, how about you getting a babysitter for us on Saturday night? He says, man, great, be glad to. So Saturday morning rolls around, and she says, honey, have you gotten a babysitter yet? Yeah, he hadn't gotten her. He says, oh yeah, it's all taken care of. He thinks in the back of his mind, I'll just call Betty this morning and ask her to babysit tonight. Well, he gets busy doing some of those jobs around the house, and then his favorite team comes on the tube that afternoon, and it comes time for the babysitter to show up, and his wife says, well, where's Betty? And he says, you know, I can't believe she's not here. So his wife calls up Betty. Betty says, he never called me. She comes back to her husband and says, you know, Betty said you never called her. He says, I can't believe she's lying like that. Why would she say something like that? Let's don't use her anymore. So he's the I'll avoid trouble liar. He doesn't lie all the time, but he lies when he thinks it'll keep him out of trouble. And then you have the protector liar. Now this husband thinks the truth will be too much for his wife, and so he lies to protect her, he says. This is a man who is going through financial difficulties, the family is, but his wife doesn't know it because he takes care of the checkbooks. And she says, how are things going? He says, oh, they're going great. Everything's going fine. But man, they're going in the hole. So much so that he has to go out and borrow money. He doesn't tell his wife. Well, see, he doesn't want her to get upset. He wants to protect her from that. And she could periodically says, well, how are things going? Oh, they're going great. Things are going fine. And she goes out and charges up a couple of hundred dollars on the charge card and comes home and, and says, look what I bought, honey. And he kind of reacts in a negative way. He gets grumpy. He gets irritable. Why is he acting this way? Everything's great. Everything's fine. But you see, everything's not fine. And she can understand why he's acting this way because he has hidden from her the reality of the financial situation. Now, the truth is, men, all of these lies 
destroy the wife's trust in her husband and undermine the marriage relationship. You need to speak truthful words to your wife. She needs to know you are honestly and openly communicating with her. Are you open with your wife? Do you tell her your true feelings? Are you afraid that she'll lose respect for you if you're honest? The truth is, your lying and deceit will cause her to lose respect for you much more than your honesty would. So our wife needs for us to speak truthful words. The second kind of words you need to speak to help her grow are encouraging words. Encouraging words. Now this is number two under B. Number one was truthful words. B was nurturing words. Number two, encouraging words. Now we've got five different types of encouraging words that I want to suggest that you need to be speaking to your wife, men. First, words of support. That's A under number two. Disregard what I said earlier. This is A. Okay. If you're totally confused, then (laughs) hey, join the club. All right, support. Your wife needs to hear your words of loyalty and support. She needs to know that she can count on you to be on her side no matter what. She needs to know that your loyalty is with her, not with your mother. Particularly when it deals with your mother, men. You do not know how it hurts a wife. To think that her husband is more loyal to his own mother than he is to her. And she knows if we ever got into an argument, he'd side with his mother instead of me. She needs to know that your support and that your loyalty is with her. You say, but she's my mother. Yes, and she's your wife too. And that relationship must be primary. If there is a disagreement, can your wife count on your support? Does she know that you are loyal to her and that you support her? Second type of encouraging words are words of appreciation. Do you tell your wife how much you appreciate what she's doing to help you and the kids? You know, motherhood is a thankless job. No neighbor is going to call her up and say, Man, I just want to thank you for being such a good mother to your kids. And your kids are not mature enough until they get a good bit older to be able to thank her. So guess who that leaves? You, Dad. It leaves you. You're the one who should give her those words of appreciation to let her know how much you and the kids appreciate what she does around the house, what she does for you. Do you take your wife for granted? Do you fail to give her those words that show your appreciation? One reason, one reason that a woman might not be fulfilled in her motherhood responsibilities and yet feel a need to work outside the home because she's not getting appreciated at home. She shouldn't feel like she's doing anything worthwhile because nobody's showing any appreciation. And it seems to be something about the day-to-day rigors of child training and raising 
that works against a woman's self-esteem. And, and it just seems that something about it, they begin to think, nobody cares, and what am I really accomplishing anyway, and blah, 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 blah. Well, men, she needs your words of appreciation to know what she's accomplishing. She needs you to, to let her know how much she's accomplishing for you and for the kids and what she's doing. The truth is that God's intention is for mothers to be one of the most stabilizing influences in a society. Because she is there giving the kids a sense of security and stability. And that in turn affects the entire society. I mean, you think about it for a moment. If all the mothers were suddenly removed, raptured up, it'd be awful, wouldn't it? Hey, man, we'd want to go with them, wouldn't we? (laughs) So you need to share with your wife on a regular basis how much you appreciate what she's doing. How important she is. Third words of comfort need to be spoken. When your wife unloads her burden, does she hear words of comfort from you? Do you empathize with her, feel with her? Now remember, she does not need you to try to solve her problem. She just wants you to listen and understand and feel with her. She needs to feel this man knows what I'm feeling and what I'm going through. Our natural tendency, men, is to do what? Try to solve her problem and say, well, now let me just, let me, well, if I were you, I would, well, you shouldn't feel that way. You know, they didn't mean this, or they probably meant that. We try to solve her problem. She doesn't need that from you at that point. She needs empathy. She needs to know that you understand what she's going through, that you feel with her. And then the fourth kind of encouraging word are words of correction. Now, some of you ladies might say, well, now that's not fair, preacher. You told us last week we couldn't correct our husbands, and now you're telling them to correct us? Well, again, Christ is our key. Does Christ speak correcting words to us? Yes, He does. And though the Bible does not say you're responsible, ladies, for your husband's sin, the Bible does place some responsibility on the husband for his wife's sin. Adam was given the responsibility for the sin in the garden. And so as the spiritual head of the family and as the leader, we husbands do bear some responsibility for the sins of our family members. Therefore, if you see your wife in an area of sin, you are to lovingly and gently speak words of correction to her, to admonish her in the Lord. Now, you must be careful and not do so with a mean spirit or a critical spirit. But lovingly, gently, share those words of correction. And it will help if you will be speaking these words of comfort and, and these words of understanding and, and these words of support and appreciation before you go correcting her. But that is part of the responsibility that we have. And the fifth word of encouragement that we should be speaking are words of guidance. Part of nurturing is guidance and direction. Christ guides the church through His Word. We as husbands have the responsibility to give our wife direction. And when your wife comes to you and says, Honey, I don't know what to do. What do you think I ought, ought to do in this situation? You cannot 
And you do not have the luxury of saying, I don't know, do whatever you want to. Isn't that what most guys say? Hmm? I don't care, honey, do what you want. Men, you don't have that luxury. God has placed you there to give words of direction to your family, words of guidance. And if your wife comes to you and asks for direction, you know what? You've got to go seek God and find direction. And then you've got to come back and say, Honey, this is what I believe God is saying about that. That's your job. That's your responsibility. So don't give it this, Well, I don't care. Do what you want. You say, Well, honey, let me pray about that and I'll get back to you. That's what God's placed you. One of the reasons He's placed you there. And ladies, use that protection that God's placed there for you. Use that protection. Go to your husband for counsel and advice. Let him encourage you with those words of guidance. And then another type of word that we need to speak in addition to encouraging words, in addition to nurturing words, is that we need to speak words of cherishing. Cherishing words. Look in verse 29. That's number three. Cherishing words. No one ever hated his own wife, excuse me, his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. What does it mean to cherish? It means to hold ever so dear within the heart, to treat with warmth, tenderness, care, affection, and appreciation. It means to praise her with tender, loving words. You need to write that in your notes, man. It means to praise her with tender, loving words. To cherish your wife means you see great value in her as a person that you want to praise to others. It means you delight in her for more than simply what she does. You delight in her for who she is. And you tell her those qualities that you admire. Her loyalty perhaps, her determination, her organization, whatever. And what will particularly be meaningful to your wife if you can take something that she considers to be a deficit in her past. Perhaps she grew up in a situation where there was poverty. And she's always felt a little ashamed about that. But you realize because of that, she has grown into a tremendous manager of resources. Very frugal. A good steward of resources. And you can say, honey, you know, because of you growing up with so little, you really are a great manager of resources. You can really, you're frugal and, and thrifty and I appreciate that about you. Or perhaps she grew up in an abuse situation. But because of that, she has tremendous compassion for people. And you can take that that would appear as a negative in her past and say, honey, you know, because of that, you have such a compassion for people. You can really sense and feel what people are going through and I admire that in you. So lift up words of praise, that you praise her for who she is, the qualities you admire in her, those qualities that attracted you to her to start off with. Are you cherishing your wife, men? And then the fourth type of word that we need to speak are understanding words. Now turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3. Understanding words. We saw 1 Peter 3 last week. Also, it has a word to say to the men. 1 Peter 3, look in verse 7. 
You husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way. As with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Understanding words. Do you understand your wife? Now, there are a lot of jokes made about men not understanding women. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't think any man totally understands a woman. But we need to do a better job of understanding than we're doing. Do you understand your wife? The Scripture says you are to live with her in an understanding way. Do you understand what, what makes her tick? Do you understand what goes on in her mind and why she responds or reacts the way she does? You can never understand her until you spend time talking to her, communicating with her, right? The key to understanding is knowing. And the key to knowing is communication. And if you're going to understand your wife, you must spend time talking to her. William, excuse me, Willard Harley, who's a doctor of psychology, has written a book called His Needs, Her Needs. I recommend it. Great book. He says, if a husband and wife are going to have the strength of a relationship that they need, that they need to spend 15 hours a week in communication, talking. That's not sitting in front of the television set, but it's talking, communicating. 15 hours a week. How you doing, man? 15 hours a week. And he says if you go out of town on work, you've got to up it up to 20 hours to make up for the time you lost while you were away. 15 hours a week. Talking. Communicating. Seeking to understand her. Why she feels the way she feels and what she is feeling and what she's thinking and what's going on in her world. You need to set aside time to have quality conversation with your wife, do you? Do you and your wife have a time daily that you set aside, that you spend together? Maybe it's when you're going on a walk. Maybe it's some other time, but do you have time that you say, Honey, I really want to sit down and set aside quality time that we can just talk and communicate with the kids not being around, just you and I. Maybe as soon as the kids get in the bed or whatever. And you need to take the initiative, men. One thing that will help is if you check in with your wife first thing when you get home from work. Don't go in and plop down in front of the television set and pull open the newspaper. But go in and check with your wife. Say, honey, how are things going today? How did things go? Tell me about so-and-so. And listen. Don't just say it and take off, but listen. Talk to her. Communicate with her. That's the only way you're going to understand her. You say, but man, that takes work, preacher. Yeah, it does. But how else will you fulfill this command of Scripture to understand your wife? It'll take work. But who's afraid of a little work? And the benefits will be so great. Next kind of words we need to be speaking are honoring words. 
Again in verse 7. He says, grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. You know what it means to honor? It means to value highly. It means to regard highly. To place great worth on. In other words, we are to speak words that show our wives how much we honor and respect them. You see, men sometimes mistakenly think because God has placed them as head of the family, that in some way that makes them better and superior to their wives. That is not the truth, guys. The truth is God has made us equal in essence. God's order has nothing to do with superiority or inferiority. Your wife is a fellow heir of the grace of life. She is equal to you in the sight of God. Therefore, you are to grant her honor and respect. You are to speak words that show how much you highly regard her. Your wife does things for you that no other person could do or would do. Have you ever stopped to think how valuable your wife is to you? Sometimes, guys, just sit down with a pencil and paper and your calculator and you just start figuring out what you'd have to pay somebody to do what your wife does. Most of us couldn't afford it. We couldn't afford it at all. She is very valuable to you. And you need to appreciate that and let her know how valuable she is. Show her honor, prize, and value her greatly. Now let's look at the most important words that a husband should not speak to his wife. This is found over in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. Hot in here to y'all? Man, I knew you would think it was, but... <laughs> right? Woo! All right. Colossians 3.19. The words, the most important words that you're not to speak to your wife are harsh words. Harsh words. Look at verse 19. Colossians 3. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. That word embittered means to be irritated. It means to be harsh. Bitter words, cutting words, verbally abusive words. It's just the opposite of tender words, affectionate words. God is saying, men, that there is no situation, there is no circumstance that could ever come up in your marriage where you would be justifiable to speak harsh, bitter Cutting words to your wife. Never a situation where that's acceptable. Remember, Christ is our key. Does Christ ever speak bitter, harsh, abusive words to us, the church? No. Even when He has to discipline us, even when He corrects us, He does so in love. That's not a bitterness. That's not a harshness. That's not an irritability with Christ. And you as a man should never, under any circumstance, speak harshly and bitterly and in irritation with your wife. 
And you know, that's the very thing men are prone to do, isn't it? That's why God commands us not to do it. It's sin. And when you do it, you need to confess to God and to your wife. Honey, I shouldn't have said that. I know, men, they can irritate you. I know you can just feel the rage just immediately jump up. That's no excuse. You've got to hold your tongue and speak loving words. And when you do speak a harsh word, you need to confess. You need to ask her forgiveness because you have sinned. Now, have you ever asked your wife, men? Ask her when you go home today, sitting around the table. Honey, do I ever speak harshly to you? I mean, you may not think you do, but she'll let you know. Ask her. Do I speak harshly? Do I speak in an irritated way to you? She'll let you know. I blew it yesterday. Yeah, I did. I had to go confess. Man, I spoke in an irritated way. And I could in my mind justify it. But, but, but. But that was no justification before God. Because God says I'm not to do it. Right? And you know what you'll find, guys? After confessing a few times, it gets easier not to do it. Because the humility of having to confess is a deterrent. (laughs) But a husband should never speak those harsh, irritating words to his wife. But words of encouragement, words of love. The Bible says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Men, what are you bringing by your words to your marriage relationship? Are you bringing life? Are you bringing healing? Are you bringing encouragement? Or are you bringing death? Division. Destruction. By the grace of God, may we speak those words that bring life. Let's pray. Father, we know that Your standards are righteous. And we know that there is unrighteousness within us experientially. That we fall short of Your holy standard. Same time, Father, may we never use that as an excuse to not seek and trust to live to the standard. Enable us by Your grace to be men who speak the words that are loving to our wife and not speak the words that are harsh. Our homes might be strengthened. That our relationship with our wives might be deepened. That you might be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. There is no way that you as a wife or a husband can speak the words that God wants you to speak apart from the power of Christ in us. The only way we can be the husband and wife God wants us to be is if Christ lives His life through us. In your own strength, you can't do it. No way. And until you come to the place in your life that you recognize that you're separated from God and that you're going in your own selfish way in rebellion against Him, and that because of that, 
what awaits you is an eternity in separation from God and the fires of hell. And that you can't do anything to correct that situation. You can't change it. But Christ has done everything necessary through His perfect life, through His death and resurrection to remedy that problem. And that He awaits to give eternal life to those who will call upon Him. If you will call upon Him in faith, surrendering your will to His will, believing that He did everything necessary for you to have eternal life, the Bible says that He will come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and enable you to live the Christian life. So if you've not come to that place of surrender of all that you are to all that He is, then do so today. That's your only hope. That is your only salvation. We're going to stand and sing together. If you need to come and pray or if you need to speak with me, I'll be down front as we stand and sing together.